Ruin My Childhood. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ruin My Childhood, the podcast where we decide if some things are better left in the past. I'm Mike. And I'm Kat. Hey, Kat. How are you doing today? My toe kind of hurts. Like I dropped a whole shelf on it. You did that to yourself. Yes. I'm sorry it hurts, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How are you? I'm I'm good. I've got some bad news for you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so unfortunately, on August 8th, uh, Olivia Newton-John passed away. I know. I told you on the evening of August 8th. <laughs> I turned on social media, but... Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> I did. But this is kind of a bittersweet that we were going to be doing great, Grace. Uh, we were going to be covering Grease this summer anyway. We, we were going to be doing um, this, and our next episode is going to be Dirty Dancing. And then, unfortunately, Olivia Newton-John passed away right around the time we were going to be doing this. So um, we moved this up a little bit. Um, this is a... A classic movie. What do you remember about it? I love Grease. Grease is just like one of those movies that you don't usually seek it out, but anytime it's on, you're watching the whole thing. That exactly. Like I don't classic. I my family didn't own it on DVD or VHS or anything. So enjoyable. But every time it came on TV, it didn't matter which parent, my mom or my dad, they would watch the whole thing. They wouldn't like my dad was one of those people who liked to switch during commercials and watch something else during commercials. He wouldn't switch for the commercials because he didn't want to miss any of Greece. So, um, but I don't. I don't know if I've ever actually watched it all the way through what? as a kid. I mean, I'm sure I have, but it was just I just remember watching it probably 50 different times as a child on TV and coming in at random intervals. So, like, I feel like I've probably never watched all the way through, but I bet I have. But, I've easily seen this hundreds of times. Yeah, literally every time it was on TV, we watched it. and It's a sleepover favorite. Yeah, and I just remember, you know, everybody remembers, we made out under the dock, the pelvic thrust. I think what was so great about it was it came out when our parents were the characters' ages, roughly. Around the actors' ages. What? My parents were 10 when this movie came. 10 were and they? 13. Yeah, my mom was 10 and my dad would have been 13. <laughs> but still, it, it was something that they watched and that they enjoyed. So it was Absolutely. like, it, it, it's it's strange. It's not really family friendly. No. But the whole family liked it. And I think like the kids kind of liked it because it was a little bit racier. Absolutely. And then also just, um, I mean, us being kids in the 90s, uh, we were young when John Travolta kind of had his comeback in, mm-hmm. in the early to mid 90s. So he was kind of a part of our childhood, too, with like, look who's talking and phenomenon and the fixture and Pulp Fiction and whatnot. So it was just kind of it, it hit at the right time for both generations to kind of really like the movie. Um, are there anything specifically that you remember about the movie? Oh, the music is fantastic. Of course. Who can forget all that? Um, loved Rizzo. Rizzo. Rizzo is my favorite. I I I always remembered uh, Grease Lightning. I I remember <laughs> I remember there was a point like all little boys at a certain age decide they don't like musicals or whatnot. They just deem that they're for girls. Um, but I remember there was a time where I said I did not like this movie, but I always wanted to see Grease Lightning, the uh, that musical <laughs> number. <laughs> yeah, I'd be on the sofa and have a peek. Yeah, peek around the corner. I'm gonna go play in my room and then like. I hear grease lightning and I'd come out. I'm just going to sit down for a minute, it's have less of water. So anyway, well, let's let's get into <laughs> it. We're going to go watch the movie again and then uh, we'll get back to you guys. This is John Travolta. This is Olivia Newton-John. 
This is Greece. All right, we're back. We just watched uh, Greece. A delightful classic uh, for really, the ages. It really is. Um, there's definitely some things I noticed, but we'll get into it. Uh, just a little background on the movie. Grease came out in 1978. It was directed by Randall Kleiser, who after this went on to do Flight of the Navigator and White Fang. Uh, this was written by uh, Bronnie Woodard, who did the screenplay, and then uh, based off the music by uh, Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey. Um, the Rotten Tomato score on this movie was critics 76% and the audience score of 97%. Wow. Um, the budget was only a $6 million budget, uh, which was big for a musical at the time. But the box office, $396 million. You! Damn. Yeah. Wow. Bonafide hit. That's incredible. Yeah. It it got re-released a bunch, to be fair, and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit later, but um, it did have a couple of re-releases to help get it to that certain box office number. Is that cumulative for when they do like anniversary so events? So that, that does include um, a re-release a few years after, and then a, the re-release in 1998 for the 20-year um, anniversary. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder how much that actually contributed to that. Oh, I've got that stuff. Oh, you do? Yeah, I've got oh. some of it. Oh. I might not have all of it, but I've got some of it. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the production? Grease is a 1978 American musical romantic comedy film based on the 1971 musical of the same name by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey. Director Randall Kleiser took numerous liberties with the original source material, most notably moving the setting from an urban Chicago setting based on William Howard Taft High School, as the original musical had been, to a more suburban locale, reflecting his own teenage years at Radnor High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. He had little control over the musical aspects of the film. His choice of the theme song, a composition by Charles Fox and Paul Williams, was overruled when producers Robert Stigwood and Alan Carr commissioned a song from Stigwood's client Barry Gibb at the last minute, which displeased Kleiser. What's wrong with Barry Gibb? We like Barry Gibb. The <laughs> opening beach scene was shot at Malibu's Leo Carrillo State Beach, making explicit references to From Here to Eternity. The exterior Rydell scenes, including the front parking lot scenes in Auto Shop, the Summer Nights Bleachers number, Rizzo's There Are Worse Things I Can Do number, and the basketball, baseball, and track segments, and the interior of the gymnastics gym were shot at Venice High School in Venice, California during the summer of 1977. The Rydell interiors, including the high school dance, were filmed at Huntington Park High School. The sleepover was shot at a private house in East Hollywood. The Paramount Pictures studio lot was the location of the scenes that involved Frosty Palace and the musical numbers Grease Lightning and Beauty School Dropout. The drive-in movie scenes were shot at the Burbank Pickwick Drive-In. It was closed and torn down in 1989, and the shopping center took its place. The race was filmed at the Los Angeles River between the 1st and 7th Street Bridges, where many other films have been shot. The final scene where the carnival took place used John Marshall High School. John Travolta had previously worked with Stigwood on Saturday Night Fever, rec recorded the top 10 hit Let Her In in 1976, and had previously appeared in, as duty in a touring production of the stage version of Grease. That is so cute. Is Let Her In about a vampire? I've never heard it. I don't know. It's from Saturday Night Fever, so I don't think so. Oh, well, it's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> he made a number of casting recommendations that Stigwood ultimately accepted, including suggesting Kleiser, who had never directed a theatrical before this, but had directed Travolta in the 1976 telefilm The Boy in the Plastic Bubble <laughs> as director, and Olivia Newton-John, then known almost exclusively as a multi-Grammy-winning pop and country singer, as Sandy. 
Newton-John had done little acting before the film with only two film credits in 1965's Funny Things Happen Down Under and the little scene 1970 film Tomorrow, which predated her singing breakthrough. Before accepting the role, Newton-John requested a screen test for Grease to avoid another career setback. The screen test was done with the drive-in movie scene. Newton-John, who was born in England and spent most of her childhood in Australia, was unable to perform with a convincing American accent, and thus her character was rewritten to be Australian. Henry Winkler turned down the role of Danny Zuko for the fear of being typecast as a greaser before the role went to Travolta, despite having the Broadway Zuko Jeff Conway in the cast, who also did not get to perform Kanicki's featured number, Grease Lightning, due to Travolta's, Travolta's influence and desire to have that song for himself. Ooh. That's wild. I had no idea. That's so rude. Yeah. Um, so Damn. There was, yeah, that's, I, I had no idea that. That's cold. Kanicki was the original. That's like a stab to your heart. Twice, because he didn't get the role that he made famous, and then he also didn't get, like, he took, you know, the supporting role, and he didn't get the supporting role's only song. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, I'm going to get into the reception of Legacy. So this came out June 16th in 1978, and it was was both critically and commercially successful uh, right away. It was the highest grossing musical film um, of all time at that time. Um, its soundtrack also ended um, in 1978 as the second best-selling album of the year in the United States, just behind Saturday Night Fever, which also, of course, starred John Travolta. Absurd. Um it also won, uh, earned an Oscar nomination for Hopelessly Devoted to You uh, at the 51st um, Academy Awards. Uh, it was also, in 2020, was selected to be preserved in the National um, Library of Congress for because it's historically, culturally, or aesthetically significant. Interesting. Um, so when it came out on its opening weekend, it made $8.9 million in 862 theaters. Um, and at the time, it was... Um, one it had the biggest all-time opening weekend um it also topped the box office the following weekend with another 7.6 million and set um a record for the first 19 days of a movie with a 40 million dollars um after 66 days it actually grossed 100 million dollars to become paramount's second highest grossing film behind the godfather um and then it ended its initial run with 132 million so even with just its initial run at 132 million off a six million dollar budget was just wow. a huge, huge hit. Like this was a blockbuster at that time. Like absolutely that is insane. Absolutely beyond. So, insane. in the United States and globally, it was the highest grossing musical of all time at the time, eclipsing the record previously held by The Sound of Music. So it replaced The Sound of Music as the biggest musical of all time. Oh, wow. um, a year later, in 1979, it was uh, released in a bigger opening because it was only in 872 theaters. So a year later, 1,248 theaters in the United States and Canada. The film played for four more weeks and was paired with a PG-rated version of Saturday Night Live. And it overtook The Godfather as the highest grossing picture from Paramount Studios at the time. Oof. That is now Top Gun Maverick, by the way. But um, it was re-released. should be. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> it was re-released again in 1998 for its 20th anniversary where it grossed another $28 million. Wow. So pretty, pretty crazy. Um, it remained the highest grossing live action musical uh, until 2012 when it was overtaken by Le Mis. And then it was... Um, Still in the U.S. was still considered the biggest musical until 2017 when uh, Beauty and the Beast um, took it over. So um, this has now created a franchise that had Grease 2 just a couple years later. And um, there's actually two new projects on Paramount Plus um, in development. So there's Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, and uh, <laughs> Summer Lovin'. Ew. So 
Yeah, it's it's a bona fide hand. I mean, this was on one of the live musicals just a few years ago that Fox was doing. So like this still is in the zeitgeist. What happened with that Rise of the Pink Ladies It's thing? in production for Paramount Plus. I haven't heard anything about it. I don't know, but that's that's what I'm reading. Summer loving. Interesting. Happened so fast. Um, let me summarize it real quick, and then we'll just get into it. So Grease takes place at Rydell High. Uh, you've got Greaser Danny Zuko, who's kind of the cool guy at the school, doesn't take anything seriously, but he had a had a beautiful summer fling with Sandy, uh, <laughs> who he thinks he's never going to see again. And then, what do you know? What she transfers know? to the school, and how he's got to decide, am I going to be the cool guy Greaser still, or am I going to be the sweet, charismatic boy that she fell in love with? And uh, she's also got to navigate the pitfalls of being a new Australian student. And super hot. And super hot, um, <laughs> but also with kind of some catty friends. And does she remain pure and virginal, or does she become a bad girl so she can <laughs> hang with Danny Z? <laughs> Well, I think we all remember how that goes. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny that you mentioned it because like um, the opening has like that animated opening mm -hmm. and they made John Travolta look like a like a caricature, like just like that you would see on like a Santa Monica boardwalk kind yeah. of thing. And then they drew her with like the most banging body in the <laughs> world, right? like super tiny waist, thick curves, busty, beautiful. That is, and don't get me wrong, you know, Olivia Newton-John was very attractive, but, like, that was not what she looked like in that drawing. It's so funny, like, now that you mentioned that intro, that, that style was so popular around the time, and it's so bizarre, because it has nothing to do with, like, the style of the movie, the music is completely different. Nope. It's like, it looks like probably every other intro of its time, but it's on a themed period piece from the 50s well it's weird because it's like you know they they got you know a famous singer to sing like a theme song at the beginning it's almost like in the 90s when they would do period pieces like uh, the three musketeers but then they would end it with titanic like, or titanic and it would end with a <laughs> modern pop ballad it's like doing it in reverse putting like a modern pop song at the front end of a movie and then transitioning to a period piece right Oh, but I mean, so many times those those intro songs become iconic, so it works. But then in this movie, it's kind of like a footnote. That's true. Doesn't really fit in. It doesn't. I think it's a miss. I agree. I I think the animated plus part is on the iconic, intro. but the song I couldn't tell you any of the lyrics right. from that song. Uh, what what are what are some highlights for you? Because I've got like one of the first lines of dialogue is a highlight for me. Oh, is it? Yeah. So like at the beginning, it opens up with, um, you know, you see them kissing on the beach a little bit and that's before the animated opening. But like the real opening is at the school first day and you see like the assistant principal making announcements and she's like, if you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, okay. So there are a lot of, a lot of things that, that jumped out at me. One of them was right at the beginning, like, so they've spent the whole summer together, right? They've had this romance. It, it seems like it, right? There's a whole song about it. Yeah, it's called Summer Lovin'. Um, so they got to know each other, one would think, pretty well. I would, I would hope so. So how come she doesn't have his phone number? How come he doesn't have her number? How, how did they meet up every day? Did they just go to the same they just beach, went to the beach and, and so hope think that the other person was there? They're still high school students. They're children, essentially. Like, 
that's what people do on vacations back before like self and stuff they would just go to the same place and okay, hope that they run into each other her plans changed so why didn't she go looking for him she would know his name she couldn't she, ask well, she around did know her name well so no that's the thing is she did say the name and rizzo and the other pink ladies they knew they kind of like but <laughs> i feel like you know she knew it, it seems odd that was she just like ah eh, that was fun well the, moving what, what on. doesn't make sense is i i, I don't disagree with you I think there was a little bit of they both knew that it was a summer fling. They didn't think that they were going to see each other again. But it is odd that he didn't go like they don't tell anything about each other. Like, oh, I, I'm a senior at Rydell High School next year. Right. Kind of thing. And well, then, she wasn't going to write to him. Right. So, you know, you think that would be a thing. But uh, ultimately, it's just weird that like if she knew what school he went to, right. then she would have she should have known. And it seems odd that that didn't come up because that is the thing that most right, high school students would talk about. Well, and I mean, Danny Zuko the character he's not exactly deep no he's he's not a a multi-dimensional renaissance man his whole identity is uh his cars he's a greaser and he goes to rydell high yeah so (laughs) it it is a little odd that that didn't come up and that there's no way that they knew i i do agree with you on that very strange interesting also, how did she get on the cheerleading squad? Because so, she does like the worst cartwheel I've ever seen. <laughs> She's cute and blonde in the 50s. But also, why was Olivia Newton-John so bad at cartwheels? Well, to be fair, you want to know the real reason? Mm. So she was 29 years old <laughs> That's playing rude. an adult. I can do a cartwheel. Yeah, but not as well as like a 17-year-old on the cheerleading squad. Or is it like a joke that anyone can get on the cheerleading squad? Maybe. I think maybe it's just anybody who's cute and blonde in the 50s could make it. Got it. She'll, she'll look cute <laughs> in that skirt. So yeah, that's that's probably what it is. But she was 29 and John Travolta was 23. So it's kind of a reverse of the uh, typical relationship in Hollywood thing. It's normally a much older man and a younger woman. So That's true. Yeah. Kudos to them. Yep. Good for, for them. For being so progressive. <laughs> <laughs> um. We should talk about the lyrics to Summer Lovin' because there are... Oh, I'm just going to preface this whole episode. There's nothing that we're going to say in this that probably hasn't been said. Right. <laughs> but you're going to hear it from us and maybe you like our inflection. But <laughs> the Talk lyrics about. of that song are very problematic. Not just the, we made out under the dock and the pelvic thrust. You know, obviously that means not just making out. He's implying, he's lying and saying they had sex. But... One of the other characters, Kanucky, says... No, that's just like his dance movement for he grinding on her and... Maybe. Soiling himself. But... <laughs> gross. Um, <laughs> but then the other guy is like, did she put up a fight? Right. Like, that's so messed up. Uh, does that make it into, like, the TV broadcast? Yes, it, that always did. It did? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. No, I I, I always heard that. Doesn't um, what's his name swear at uh, Frenchie? Yeah, well, they they say some pretty messed up things to her throughout. Right. Um. Pretty much the entirety of Beauty School Dropout is just Frankie Avalon being a total jerk to Frenchie. Oh no, that's awful. The things he says, like he says something like, I don't remember. He calls her like a prostitute or a hooker or something like well, that. Well, he calls her out for getting a nose job. Um, basically saying that she doesn't dress well enough to go with her new face. Oof. Um, that she's got the dream, but not the drive. Uh, you think you're such a looker, but no customer will go to you unless she was a hooker. Yep. Oof. He wants their hair done by a slob. 
And like, you know, growing up, we all thought this was like really funny. I mean, it's goofy, but looking at it now, that's just mean. Those are horrible things for a man to say to a woman. Yeah, a grown man. It's a fantasy, but still. Right. Um, And and, when you have Zuko at one point, Rizzo says something to Zuko and he's like, oh, sloppy seconds aren't my style or something like that. Yeah. Like, they're pretty mean. Everyone's super mean to Rizzo pretty much the entire film. And I have no idea why. I mean, she's not a nice person, but she's probably not a nice person because everyone's so mean to her. And, you know, I think it, it... does get reinforced several times in the script that like the way that people treat you is or should be directly commensurate with how you look yeah like that is reinforced over and over and over throughout the storyline yeah absolutely (laughs) what i don't remember which it's one of the pink ladies but one of the things i always remember about it and it makes me laugh every time is the brush up brush up brush Right, the sleepover. At the sleepover. (laughs) I mean, once again, everyone just being mean. Like, is there anybody who's actually nice to each other in this movie? No, but boomers kind of love that type of humor. It's like they're all, like, they all chime in and are just singing a song like, I'm Sandy, Sandy, Elvis, Elvis. Right, and it's an iconic scene where you get, like, this glimpse of their culture and all this pressure to be, like, pure and virginal. And yet, None of those girls really care about any of that. So, nope. like, you're seeing Sandy exposed to this edginess, but it's also a little bit of them being seen as corrupting her, which is, like, you know, like, how how realistic is that? Like, does this movie conform to the reality of life in the 1950s, or well, is this movie emulating and reinforcing the Hayes Code let version? Let me tell you a little bit about this, because tell there's me. actually, this movie had a lot of... um Things that as a kid I never noticed, but um, we're very sexual and time specifically for the 50s. So, for example, um, in Grease Lightning, in that song, there's a point where um, John Travolta's character, uh, Danny, is like rubbing his crotch against oh, right. Saran Wrap. Uh-huh. But apparently, like that was a very common thing for teenagers in the 50s, just to wrap their junk in Saran Wrap, Ugh. thinking that would be as good as a condom. Cross your fingers. So, I mean, like kids horrific we act like kids were so innocent in the 50s and 60s and a lot of the boomers like to say that they were they but weren't. like the government people, just stole their babies from them and shipped them off to people People have been banging forever teenagers always bang yeah bang bang since the beginning of time um yeah can i can i admit to you can i <clears throat> can like can i admit something to you what um and i'm even looking at my notes and even though i knew this time around that this was wrong but until we watched it this time, I always thought her name was Sandra Dean. Why? I don't know. I just always thought it was Sandra Dean. Hmm. It's Sandra D. Sandra D. Some of my notes say Sandra D. Some of them say Sandra Dean. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to this whole like uh, chaste idea of the 1950s. Most of what they're focused on throughout this film is fixing up Kinnicky's awful garbage heap of a car but like if this was supposed to be the 1950s how old could that car have been how was it in that condition i mean they didn't take care of it he got it for cheap somewhere i mean to put it back together they were literally stealing parts off of cars (laughs) parked on the street (laughs) i love how they all just magically fit (laughs) yeah it's absurd um yeah, that's 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 a little odd. And why uh, do they have a gang in high school? Why are they so casual about all this so, violence? 
I, I that is something that I did read about the the whole violence thing that um, it had to be significantly toned down from the stage version for the film changing their switchblades to, to combs, to combs and yeah things like that. <laughs> well it's funny you say you mention it but apparently like people who grew up in the 50s and 60s a lot of people were in gangs like so i in my current job um i work with you know quite a few guys who grew up in the late 50s you know they were kids like early teens in the late 50s um and 60s and they all were in gangs in the midwest and like detroit and chicago so i know in the industry that I work in, I work with a lot of, you know, older guys and they consistently have told me in the Midwest, every guy was in a gang. Yeah. And this was originally supposed to be in Chicago. So Uh, they have like Italian gangs and Irish gangs, white gangs in general, just like they, like it would just be neighborhood gangs. Like the kids in this neighborhood would just go fight kids on the border of the neighborhood. So apparently in the Midwest, like Chicago, Detroit, um indianapolis like they all were in like gangs so i guess that's not actually abnormal like dogs yeah (laughs) you like dags (laughs) like dags Um, i just love that it's like so normalized in this world of rydell high that these kids are openly in gangs yeah fighting each other yeah it's it's bizarre it's insane well it's like some other another thing that i noticed this time around that just shows it's not related to the gang thing, um, but I was just looking at my notes and seeing. Uh, I never noticed this before, but when when Rizzo and Kaneki, 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 <laughs> um, go to park and they have sex, and she, you know, he has his twenty five cent insurance policy and it's busted, <laughs> um, and she's telling him like, "Call me by my first," because he keeps saying, "Oh, Rizzo," and she's like, "Call me by my first name," and he doesn't know it. Betty, it's Betty. It's Betty. <laughs> um, there's a line. There's a line in, is it called Sandra D? I can't remember what the song is called. Yeah. Is it called Sandra D? Yeah, let's call it that. Uh, where she was one of Rizzo's lines. Would you pull that crap with Annette? It's it's so obscure, and I don't know why I know this. I think I asked my mom what that meant, and she said, oh, she means Annette Funicello, the, the chick from the Mickey Mouse Club. Huh. I still, to this day, do not understand what that means. Well, let's look it why, up. What was why her name? is she referenced Annette Finicello? Oh, and then Kaniki's got a line that says, nobody's jugs are bigger than Annette's. What? Huh. Finicello's known for her curves, having played many a hot chick. That's so weird, because I only know her from the Mickey Mouse Club. Well, she went on to be like in a bikini TV show, like a beach TV show where... It says the reference was placed in the movie to give some authenticity to the time period in which it's set because Finicello would have been a cultural reference point at the time, particularly for lusty young men. Nice. I love how my mom explained that it references Annette Finicello, but didn't tell me why. Yeah, so she was on (laughs) a, a, it was called a beach party series. And so, yeah, she was in like a 50s era bikini, but... uh, and then she also did like stock car racing films and stuff. So yeah, that would definitely be something that like boys in the fifties would have been into. Yep. So okay, we figured it out. <laughs> um, one of the, so one of the big parts of the plot of this movie is um, Danny and and Sandy try to make their relationship work, but then they realize they're from completely different worlds, and. You know, Danny tries to work, you know, go out with her and he's a little too aggressive and too fast for her. Uh, He gets very handsy and then she kind of dumps him for a bit. So he tries to change his persona and try his hand at a couple of sports. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love this scene. It's so good. He doesn't know how to play basketball. He, he just, just tries, tries to, to run. fight everyone. Yeah, he just pushes and fights everybody. <laughs> then he becomes a runner. I laugh so hard when he gets the basketball and he just like gets all aggressive. <laughs> so good. Um, and then like Sandy does her own thing. They eventually kind of you know get back together. They go to that dance um, that's on TV, American Bandstand, and uh, then Danny. Oh, well, they hang on. American Bandstand went to their dance. Yes, correct. <laughs> and like the whole plot of the film kind of goes sideways here. Like all of a sudden you forget what's going on and how you got there and like what else is happening in the rest of the film. And it's got like this high stakes dance competition almost out of nowhere. It's bizarre. Well, and then like out of nowhere, Danny, for some reason, with his rival on the other gang, his girlfriend ends up with Danny for a second. And cha-cha. Then cha-cha. And then that guy ends up with Sandy for so a she's minute. The, the best dancer with the worst reputation. Yep. <laughs> um, and so like Sandy's, understandably Sandy's upset, but it's like, you know, he keeps dancing with her and, you know, they go to the, the, the drive-in afterwards. He tries to explain that he never went with her. I forgot about Danny's horrible singing when he's on the dance floor. Yeah, it's like, pretty bad. He just sings really, really badly. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I honestly forgot about like his song like, after Sandy breaks up with him. Yeah. And Rizzo's song. I forgot about <laughs> both of their songs. The worst things I could do. Yeah. Well, the whole Rizzo arc is so interesting to me. Pregnancy scare and wanting to be with Kaniki and she's like totally expendable to him. And everyone treats her really, really badly for no apparent reason. Yeah. Is it just because she's kind of prickly? She's prickly and she's promiscuous. Yikes. They're all so mean to her. Meanwhile, like um, at the dance, that adult host of the TV show is like trying to hit on Marty. Yeah. Who is underage. <laughs> yeah, he's a creep. Um, One of the things that dance, you know, it, it gets really risque because, you know, um, Kaniki has his date. That's not Rizzo, and he's like getting freaky with her. Cha cha. What did did Kaniki go with Cha cha? I thought it was did the he? other guy from no, it was the rival from the other gang oh. who he races. Um, but they they get really feisty on the dance floor, and then Cha cha like shows her like panties and rubs her crotch like right up in <laughs> Danny's face, and then it, we go to the next scene, which is the um, the drive in, and you know he gets a little handsy with with Sandy and then she like gets him to slow down and then he goes to I'll give, give her... you 25 cents for your whole car <laughs> including your chick <laughs> so rude um <laughs> but then Danny goes to give her like his his like letterman jacket or his class ring I don't remember what it was but he goes to give her something and she's like oh well now I know you respect me I know and then she starts the kissing it, and then he gets all handsy again and then she's like no I'm a good girl like and then they, not very they break smart. up. No, like it's just like that's all it takes. Um, it's it's weird. Um, one another line that I right after this is um at the same point we find out that uh, Lizzo, not Lizzo, Lizzo. <laughs> we find out that Rizzo <laughs> is potentially pre- pregnant, and this she's like, "It would be so much better with Lizzo in it." <laughs> like, oh, don't tell anybody that you know I'm pregnant, and then immediately. Somebody says it and then. Truth hurts. Yeah. And then when. 
<laughs> one of the uh, greaser guys is just like, oh yeah, she's totally knocked up. And then uh, they they say, um, she says, I feel like a defective typewriter. And then the friend goes, what? what? She goes, I skipped a period. And then the person immediately says it out loud. And then the greaser heard it. And then it explodes. So like the whole school knew right. she was pregnant. I, I love how she... T- tells Marty in a crowded bathroom and then tells her not to tell anyone. Yeah, it's it's just silly. Way to be. Then we get into um the race day. They they you know they we already talked about grease lightning a little bit that song. Yeah, they're racing. Uh, Kanicki knocks himself out getting out of the car, so <laughs> Travolta has to do the race. And then um we essentially get into what I like to call a collective stroke of the entire high school of uh rydell because yeah, what what is with the end so they it, it's super weird so they get to the festival or the carnival for graduation and it, it's so weird like this movie seems like it takes place over the course of maybe two or three weeks but it's an entire school year what yeah this is really? like the, yeah that's like graduation they talk about he's gonna actually graduate and he lettered oh, and everything. Geez. So, yeah, you know, this is like, we'll be together forever, whatever the name I can't sing. <laughs> so, anyway, like, whatever he is now dressed up is. all preppy and he's got his letterman jacket and everything. And he's just like, oh, Sandy, I'm a, you know, preppy guy now. And she's like, oh, that's too bad. And she's in her, like, tight leather getup and, <laughs> and everything. And it's so weird because, like, you would think that the message at this point would be like, we still love each other regardless. And we're meant to be, even though, you know, they're teenagers or whatever. Uh, we don't need to change for each other. But it's really like, oh, I'll be I'll change because I'm the woman. Right. Um, she had to conform and become a scene kid. Yeah. To be accepted. Well, and then he immediately just rips off his letterman jacket. And he's got his like greaser gear underneath right. it minus a leather jacket. And, you know, they sing. I find it hard to believe he had the grades to get a letterman jacket. He just need to be above like a 2.5. Oof. Yeah. That's a bit of a stretch for him. Probably. He's not a smart boy. No, but you know. He's a very dumb boy. But he's a white man in America. That's true. Um, but you know, you get probably the most iconic song. You're the one that I want. The one that I want to go. What? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I really want you to record a cover of it, but not actually listen to it first. <laughs> Just do it from memory. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, but you get that song, and then you get the Together Forever song with like all the high school students. But we get the car that that they fly off in, and that part never made sense. What? But yeah, I, how do they? But I realized something. This, this has from... to be this a... is the same universe as Flubber. No, it's not. This has to be a universe <laughs> where they all had a stroke and are going to heaven because that car is not Grease Lightning. Grease Lightning was white. That is the car from the Grease Lightning song that they built in the fantasy segment. It turns into like the red car with like the transparent hood. And then they're all saying nonsense stuff like, like, dip it to do da, do do wop, do we. Like, they're singing a song where they'll be like in the middle of like, we'll be together. So I think they all had strokes. And that's how the movie ends. Like, or they all were an LSD. This is like the late. We should drop acid next time we watch this. It's insane. So, yeah, like it. It doesn't make any sense. Like the lyrics, like they just go to scatting. Objectively, objectively, the story is trash. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But it's just there's something about it. It's so catchy. It's like a train wreck because all the I I hate myself for loving it. Like Like, John Travolta was 23 playing, you know, a 17, 18 year old. 
Some of these actors were well into their 30s for like the Pink Ladies. Stalker Channing was over 30, I think. Yeah, like it's insane. Like they don't look like high school students at all. <laughs> um, I mean, some of the greaser boys looked like they were 40. They Yeah, receding hairlines. Yeah, all it's around. just insane that anybody ever bought this as a high school, as a high school students. And like, it's just, this shouldn't have worked. Like, when like Paramount, I don't remember what the other musical was, but they had another musical like just bomb the year before this one. And so they they were not into this movie at all. They put gave it almost no budget, no, budget. no support <laughs> like they to the level of they actually to help pay for it. They got a uh, sponsorship from Pepsi. So there's a few points where you see Pepsi. But the diner scene, um, they rebuilt the diner scene and put Coke stuff because most of the diners in that time had Coke. Um. And they didn't even think about the product placement. So all they did is as best they could after the fact they put um, they went and reshot some of the scenes and they put like plastic wrap on front of the Coke stuff. So you couldn't see that it was Coca-Cola products, but certain things they already shot and couldn't reshoot. So there was actually Coke products that made it into the final cut. And they just were like, <laughs> well, we just have to hope Pepsi doesn't get mad and Pepsi didn't get mad. Like Yikes. they did. They did this on a shoestring budget and it was one of the biggest movies ever made like it's just insane like this should not have worked it shouldn't have worked it, it's bizarre that there's a film where vince fontaine tries to roofie one of the main characters and and no one cares nobody cares nobody cares yeah you have all the adults just being terrible to <sighs> everybody there's just so much to unpack in this film and yet at the same time we forgive it yeah. It's like, I, I don't care. I know that objectively it's trash, but the music is just so freaking catchy that I excuse absolutely everything. And it's to the point where it's so ridiculous and egregious and trashy in so many ways that that adds to the charm. And, and it's weird. It's like, it's one of these things. I, I, I don't know. I wonder how long this movie will stand the test of time because so many people are cutting the cord. Right. And, I've I've talked to people. It's cult status. Yeah, though. no, it has that cult status. But I think a big part of why it was for us was because it was on TV all the time. But people like our age who are having kids typically don't pay for cable. It's all streaming. So unless you're actively going to look for Grease, but I've talked about this phenomenon with people. Nobody seeks out Grease. <laughs> Nobody goes and Grease says, just "I'm going to watch Grease." It just is on. And people watch it. It's just something that happens so to that you. That can't happen going forward. Like, I don't see how Aww. kids, you know, like people our age is kids, you know, our nieces, nephews, and everything, unless we purposely expose them to Greece, I think Greece dies <laughs> with our generation. I don't think that could ever happen. I, I think it is gonna be like one of those holiday family gathering films for at least until our generation is and, dead. Or until they so they did the live version and of course we've got the new whatever Earth's not gonna make it. That well we we've got the two things coming up on Paramount Plus, the rise of the pink ladies and Oh, the prequel. Like what is yeah, it gonna be about I don't know. about their saucy summer that ultimately meant nothing to either one of them? Let's I don't know. Well and that and that well that's summer love and then there's also Rise of the Pink Ladies, so two different shows. So maybe that'll make like the the Gen Z people go back and watch the original. I don't know. Or maybe this is something that's going to end up getting remade in like 15, 20 years. I bet it like... blows up in their faces. Yeah. I bet I, they get roasted. I, I think they would have to remake this movie for younger generations to go and go like, oh, this is a remake? Oh, well, the Grease 2 happened and we all just ignore it. Michelle Pfeiffer, you goose. Shh. 
I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Hmm. Ruin your childhood? You know, you know, I was hesitant to sit down and examine this film objectively. And objectively, I can say it's absolute crap. But I think the worse that it is when I examine it in detail, the more I like it because it's just so twisted that it has persisted and stood the test of time and that we all love it when it is so problematic. I think it's like a car wreck. Like it you is. just cannot look away. It's There's true. so many things that just Did it ruin your childhood? No, it didn't. Like I just think when it comes down to it, there's just so many things that don't work and it's just so wrong that it's right. <laughs> like I it, love it that. shouldn't be. Like it just didn't shouldn't work. So anyway, no, that's <laughs> good to go. Where can I just find you? I'm all over the internet at Katrina Osity. Or you can just like look me up by my regular name and see all my travel <laughs> photos. <laughs> um, you can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at mdxpods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. We're also on YouTube. Check it out. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mdxpods. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>